So let me just explain what's going on, and then I have a few uh, pastoral notes uh, for you. What's happening in the story is very simple. Jesus is, again, as I said earlier, building a community of disciples, a school of learners and apprentices. It's very common. He wasn't the first to do this. Uh, Some of these disciples used to be disciples of John the Baptist. And so they've moved over to Jesus in a kind of first century, like mid-season trade, if you want to call it that. Proto-church hoppers. Um, And all of this is happening in a region called the Galilee. And just a couple of things that I want to point out in um, the words of this story. In verse 45, it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Who was here last Sunday? We had, oh, two of you. Um, uh, all right. But uh, we looked at this phrase, a similar phrase, describing Jesus, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. You know, there's a lot of these little summary statements about Jesus And the Gospels are kind of a bio line of who he is, where he's from, who his parents are, and so forth. And um, we get another one of those in this passage, in this little verse here. Now, a few things about this part of the the exchange. Philip is talking to Nathaniel about Messiah stuff. He's talking about things that um, the Jewish people have been thinking about and praying about and hoping for, for for many, many centuries. This is why he said... Uh, this is about, we found the guy about whom Moses and the prophets wrote. So they believed that all of this is leading towards Jesus. But then he describes Jesus. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And if you lived at that time, you would go, and? I said this last week. It's like from Tifton, from, uh, just name your town. You know, like, just name your nowhere town. Jesus, as I said last week, I'll say it again. Uh, Jesus, a very super normal name in the first century, uh, kind of the Jackson of the first century, if you will. Uh, Nazareth, it's a backwater town, um, unknown, not even mentioned in the Old Testament. The Messiah is coming from this place. It's not even in our texts. It's great. Joseph, by the way, is a construction worker. Now, when you grew up, he was a carpenter, right? Like he made our coffee cafe back there and he had a nice business. The word really, or the, the, the title for Joseph is really, he's a, he's a construction worker. And so he's working jobs, building buildings and perhaps helping cities develop. He's a hardworking person, but he's not in the elite class. It's just Jesus, a normal name from a nowhere town, in a basic family. So it makes sense that Nathaniel looks at Philip and says, so can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the question is rhetorical. Everybody knows the answer to that. No. And Jesus, like Nathaniel himself, is kind of a nobody from Galilee. Nazareth doesn't even have a stop sign. It's very small. And unremarkable. And Joseph, well, at the point, at this point, um, is kind of local gossip 
Uh, and the local gossip then was that he and Mary had Jesus before they were married. This would follow Jesus throughout his ministry. And now he's making a living in construction. And so it's a very simple exchange. Hey, we found the Messiah, and it's not who you think. It's a very surprising person. And I kind of like Nathaniel. I don't know if you like his response. I really like Nathaniel. Skeptical, practical, logical. He can do the math. Uh, there's a touch of curiosity, but it's packaged in skepticism. He's interested, but he's not all in. Jesus is an unknown to him, and so he's skeptical. There's also this sense of wonderment, though. Like, would God really make his move in a place like Nazareth and with a father like Joseph? And one of the things I want to say to you this morning as we move in further into this season is simply that so much of our journey in faith and with Jesus is uh, shaped in discovery, We don't really know everything at the beginning. It's an ongoing process of discovering and being surprised or uh, shocked as we take our steps in faith. And then Philip says to Nathaniel at the end of this exchange, come and what? See. Now, some free stuff for you. The phrase come and see in John's gospel is prolific. This is really the, uh, the main invitation that you hear. You could just go through and read and just highlight it, and it's so numerous that it stands out. This is the underlying thing in John's gospel, or one of them, that to follow Jesus, to learn about him, to apprentice him, is to basically come and see. And I would add, see what happens. Just see what happens. In fact, John's gospel is all about looking and finding. The very first words of Jesus in John's gospel is, what are you looking for? And some of the last words of Jesus in John's gospel are at the, at the resurrection where he says, who are you looking for? It's a nice bookend to this whole gospel of invitation to seek and to find. Again, all four gospel writers have their literary grooves, and John's is all about this right here. Just come and see. This traveling and seeing and knowing, words that he uses to denote relationship and even salvation. Come and see is the theme of discipleship. It's invitational. It shows us that Jesus uh, is not necessarily someone who preaches, but someone who invites And I like that because we all have questions that we would like answered and we will always have them when it comes to faith. We all have a list of things we don't know about God, right? Are we with with me on that? Um, We all carry uh, history and fears and injuries into our faith. And when we don't know the answer or the next step or anything, Jesus here is just saying, come and see. I mean, Philip says it, but Jesus says this a lot. Come and see. I think faith is a funny word because we usually think it means something like a set of beliefs or convictions. But the word itself is actually more related to something like trust. 
It's like leaning on something to see if it will stand up or hold under pressure. The Bible already has words for a set of beliefs. They're called uh, beliefs, convictions, doctrine, things you should know about. But faith is this very interesting term that really has more to do with trust, the practice of trusting and seeing where that goes. When Jesus invites us to follow him, it really is an invitation to trust where he is going and to come and see what the future holds for us. The invitation of Jesus actually doesn't require that we know or believe this or that but that we are open to trusting what comes next. One of the things that the Gospels show us over and over and over again is that Jesus is more about belonging before believing. Believing is often a product of belonging. And the church gets this backwards, where it's like you got to believe and then you can belong. Sometimes it's worse. you got to believe, you got to behave, then you can belong. But Jesus comes along and says, ah, just come on, follow me, and let's see what happens. In three weeks, this church will turn 20 years old. Isn't that crazy? That was like the worst round of applause, but it's okay. I get it. It's a holiday weekend. It felt like I was playing golf, but thank you very much. Sunk the putt. Uh, 20 years old. And in classic Atlanta Christian Church fashion, we have nothing planned for that day. <laughs> now, we've celebrated birthdays before. If you've been with us for a long time, we did our fifth. Uh, we did a 10th. We did a 13th. That was our bar mitzvah. Um, <laughs> we did 18 for some reason. Um, and then we just sort of sat quiet. And then we have nothing for the 20th. So I don't know what's coming. Maybe a 21. Maybe it'll be a beer Sunday. Uh, mimosas all around the body of Christ <laughs> we made it um, so we have nothing planned for that day nothing that morning but we do like gifts if you know what I mean um, and I have been here for 17 of those 20 years so thank you and so I've had a front row seat to a lot of the fun and the struggle and the mystery of this church's life. And one of the experiences that has replayed itself in this church over all these years is one where at least the staff and the leaders and those who are quite involved look around and say to each other, I did not see this coming. And I can tell by the laughter you've been around for a while. We've met in five different locations Uh, We started in a strip club. Now we're in a church. It's very weird. Uh, The Atlanta Journal-Constitution in 2004 did actually headline the story from poles to pews. Somewhat prophetic because now we have pews. And we've met in five different locations and none of them were predictable. Not one of them was like, you know, we should get that one. It was all like, well, this is where we're going now. So much of our church's journey has been we're moving down the road and then something happens and it shifts us to a completely different lane. And it's a, it's a wild ride. You know how in weather reports they say something like, 
Five miles visibility. I don't know why they say that, but they say it. Have you ever heard this before? Even when you're getting on a plane, they tell you, uh, whatever it is, a million miles visibility. I'm like, I don't really know what this means for me. I just want to get to my destination. Um, but that's kind of how it's always felt for us. There's been enough uh, visibility to see a little bit down the road. But that was always about it. We've just never been blessed with... Some churches seem to just make their way. And they're just like, this is the plan, and it unfolds. Now, we plan. We put plans together. But God, is, God has this weird relationship with us, like, that's, we're not doing that. <laughs> and it was like God gave us enough visibility to see, like, ahead for the day. That's what it felt like. Like the prayer, the part of the, the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us today our daily bread. That kind of daily faith. And the rest of it, we just had to trust that he was with us. Now, I know as a member, as someone who's attending, you don't feel these things. But if you've been here uh, for a number of years, maybe you have felt some of that. The location changes, the, uh, the changes in what the church feels like and what it's doing now versus what it did then. None of this was predictable. I mean, I've actually seen and read the original vision and plan for this church. We have folders of stuff back in the office um, that have all this stuff in it. And it's funny to read through it because almost none of it happened. None of it. Uh, I was working as a youth minister when this church was starting and the planter of this church came to the church I was working at to pitch to get money, you know, because you need money to start a church. And uh, we still have those brochures that he passed around to all of us and none of it happened. But it was all right there in great font and color and it felt right. You know, I can get behind this vision that really never came to be. None of it really materialized. And most of our church's experience has been anchored in the unfolding mysteries of God that come with the faith it takes just to come and see what happens. Just see what happens. And I want you to think about your own faith journey. Most of you didn't even have this little church on your radar years ago, right? Nobody. There are very few originals left, you know? They all moved away. And so many of you didn't even have this place on your radar, and yet here you are. You see what I'm saying? You don't really know what God is doing and where God is leading us. You just never know. And when you try hard to know, faith can get kind of frustrating. And I think too, in a world of optimization and vision, Jesus comes to us with this counter message of just come and see what happens. And I find that very beautiful, very freeing. It leaves my heart open for what God will do, what God wants to do. Again, it doesn't mean we don't like make the plans, but we leave that room for God to come in and go, we're going this direction now. You're going this direction now. And I think too, for those of you who uh, faith free, for those of you for whom faith is a struggle, uh, the invitation is even more profound 
that you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all of the answers. Jesus simply says to you as well, just come and see.